earmuffs. Wait, I'm what? gonna say a bad word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it going to be all right? Hello, and welcome to the second episode of All Through a Lens. This is the podcast about film photography where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Banya. And I'm Eric. We've got a bunch of stuff to get through today. Yeah, on today's episode, we'll talk about Kodak's Colorama displays. We'll review a couple zines. I'll talk about my first experience with the Hasselblad. And we'll have a little call with Brandy. But first, Banya, what have you been up to lately? Well, I did say I was going to go to Sequoia. Yes. That did not end up happening. No. I end up going to Lone Pine, which I have dubbed a Lone Pine because it was a solo trip. Adorable. I camped Friday and Saturday night uh, at this pretty cool campground. It was eight bucks a night. Uh, I shot with my Hasselblad 500C, my RB67, and my Pentax 645. Cool. So uh, that was mostly medium format stuff. What was it about the place that made you want to shoot it with those medium format cameras? I just love medium format, honestly. Uh, Lone Pine is a really vast, like, open space with uh, the Eastern Sierras in the background. It's fucking gorgeous. Nice. And I don't know. 120 seemed like the perfect thing. And then, you know, I got my Ultrafine already in, so I ended up shooting a lot of that. Oh, that must be nice. Yeah. What did you do? I, I did not shoot with Ultrafine, that's for sure, because it Yikes. just did not show up. <laughs> My fault. It My is. A little bit your fault. <laughs> well, this past weekend, I free camped in the Palouse area of eastern Washington. It's this place with lots of weird rounded hills. I shot a few rolls and a dozen sheets using a 4x5 box camera from 1900. Uh, for the most part, I brought along a lot of older cameras, like the 1914 Brownie box and this adorable little 620 called the Imperial Savoy, which I, I love. It's one of my favorite cameras. It's and a really cute camera. It's an adorable camera. I tried this time to focus mostly on small towns, whereas I've mostly been shooting like wilderness stuff lately. But I wanted to shoot, fo- I wanted to focus on small towns. That's that's great. Did you shoot everything that you wanted? Or are you planning on going back before, you know, winter sets in? I always leave photos untaken, which is dumb. But this is this is this is what I do. Uh, but this this might be my last overnight of the season. I'll probably do a few day trips here and there. But for the most part, I, I take winters off and I don't really shoot anything at all from November to March. Well, you have a ton of stuff to develop still, so it seems like you'll be busy. Likely. <laughs> And that dumb idea got us thinking. We asked listeners to call in and tell us what keeps them shooting all throughout the year. Yeah, so let's check the answering machine to see if anyone got back to us. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Denise G316 here, answering the question, what keeps me shooting all through the year? I'm focusing, no pun intended, on the winter time with my answer. And it also ties in with the previous question about shooting the same places over and over. I like to go to the Sedgwick County Zoo for winter Wednesdays when admission is $3 and you practically have the place all to yourself. I take a couple of Wednesdays off work so I can go shoot. It's something I look forward to every year. It's one thing that keeps me photographically active in the winter. 
Nice. Yeah. Taking time off of work in the middle of the week, which is kind of nice. It breaks it up and she like schedules events to hit. That's pretty much amazing. Hi, Eric and Vanya. It's Toby V Photo here. Sorry, I did not get a message through for your first episode. In answer to your question at the end of your first episode, what keeps me shooting? Just because I'm mad for it. Don't know whether that's um, homemade pinholes, red scale, or just a nice little um, bit of Alfred HP5 from my house of blood. I'm just mad for it constantly, all the time. That's my motivation. Cheers. Well, yeah, in love with photography to the point of madness. I I should be so lucky, to be honest. Uh, I do love photography, but for some reason, I love winter breaks. So I'm I'm still not convinced, but... So you're not mad yet. Not that way, no, no. We're all a little mad, I suppose. I actually take significant amounts of time off during the year because for me, the photograph is only part of what I'm working on. The ideas require time and I do a lot of research and then tend to do a lot of work all at once. For example, I just did a show in Las Vegas with stereo photography that took about a year and a half to put together. That's pretty typical. But I did almost all the work within a period of just two months. I am entirely with Brian. Micro trips, ongoing projects that last forever, and shooting when it happens. Yeah, I like the way he shoots where he'll take just time off to kind of do all the other bullshit that goes along with photography that's not taking pictures and, and developing. That's kind of where I am. Yeah. I do I do that all through the winter. Well, I like the research, too. It's like growth and learning more things. It's Yeah. I have trouble identifying as an artist or a photographer, but I do it all year round as a means of survival. Because without resorting to hedonism or religion, I have no response for nihilism other than absurdism to say, yes, maybe everything is pointless, but I'm going to get up every day and try to create something. And at least photography gets me out of the house. Yeah, getting out of the house is overrated, especially... <laughs> Especially in winter. I kind of like being in the house. I just do. I kind of like it. When it's It's warm. warm. I've got juniper. There's really no reason to leave. But no, I mean, I I, I get it. Uh, There's definitely places you can live where winter isn't that much of an issue. Yeah, like Los Angeles. Yeah, it's great. When it's raining, everybody's like terrified to go outside. I love it. So I go outside. (laughs) When it's raining here, it's just Tuesday. I hopeful lens. This is Lionel speaking. I'm French, but now I'm in Brazil. Probably what motivates me the most is to focus on old cameras that I have find in flea markets. It's always a little exciting to wait for the results. We are sometimes surprised, but generally not disappointed. I revived around 15 devices that date from the 40s to the 90s. For reliability when traveling, I never live without my Minolta XJ9, and at the moment, I'm also using an Olympus Trip 35, but I admit to having a soft spot on half format like Canon Demi. Bye, guys, and thanks. 
I love collecting vintage cameras and getting them to work. That would totally excite me to shoot through uh, rough patches or it would inspire me. Yeah. And then, you know, using the off season to gear up, obviously, that's a good idea. Yeah, off season to gear up is, is sort of what I, what I do. I'm um, looking at, at this point where it's kind of getting close to the off season. I'm looking at lenses. I'm not looking at cameras because I need to not buy a camera. <laughs> but lenses, I'm looking at lenses. So I guess that does it for the calls. Thanks, everyone, for calling in. We'll get back to you at the end of the episode for the next question. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. Eric. Yeah. Now we we need to answer the question. Yes, so. What keeps you shooting all through the year? Well, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, like I said, I, keep, I take about about November is probably the last time I'll shoot anything till March. Mm-hmm. I'll do a couple of zines over the winter, probably. And I'm also working on this larger project about the Nez Pierce War that I shot on 4x5. And those are all sitting in a cooler, hopefully not deteriorating prior to me developing them. I have to get to that. So my winter project is, well, my winters are projects. Yeah. So yeah. How about, how about you? What, what do you shoot through the, you do, you shoot through the year. Yeah, I do. Um, so I usually just carry a camera with me at all times, just in case I feel inspired to shoot. But winters are the time I consider my busiest time. You know, winter swells come in and I just want to get into the water. I would consider summer being my time that I don't shoot as much. But this summer was a little different. I did a ton of trips. So I was pretty inspired to, you know, shoot something a little bit different, doing landscapes, um, things, you know, away. Not sure I nailed it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Need some work. <laughs> well, you're trying something new, so it's going to take a while to get into it. But but yeah. so the winter is coming up and it's, it's basically uh, surfing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm very excited. So, I mean, there's also an option that neither of us do, which is daily projects. Uh, and like taking a different photo each day or maybe a, a roll a week or, or something yeah, that like would that. be crazy. Yeah, I'd, I'd, <laughs> it would keep me shooting throughout. The, it would actually, no, it would probably just piss me off. <laughs> I don't know if I would change anything, but it would piss me off in ways that photography hasn't pissed me off yet. So when I, when I think of, when I think of Sorry. somebody who does that... <laughs> I think of I think of Brandy, uh, the, the film diary of a redhead. Uh, she, you, you all may know her as the bubbly half of the film Photo Geeks podcast. Uh, she usually has a couple of projects going all at once, and she's done it for for a few years now. So we thought that maybe, yeah, why don't why don't we give her a call and yeah. find out how she makes that work? Let's call Brandy. Let's call Brandy. Hello? Hello? Hey! <laughs> Hello! Hello! Hello, hey, Brandy, this is Eric and Vanya from hey, All Through a Lens. What's up? Hey, uh, we've just been talking and wanted to ask you a few questions. So we were talking about what keeps us shooting throughout the year, and uh, Vanya does a bunch of stuff, and I kind of do nothing through the winter. So what keeps you shooting all through the year? You know, if I didn't, if I wasn't doing my 365 project, I would probably be like you, 
Eric and just not do anything. And that is a very depressing place for me to be. Okay. Uh, so that's why I do, I force myself to do the 365. Ooh. So I'm, I'm holding myself accountable to take a photograph a day. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah. Your, that's your 365 is every day you yeah. take a, a, t- a, take a photo. Yes. How do you deal with like, have you been burnt out on this project? How, how long have you been doing it for? Oh God. Yes. I get burnt out every year. I think I've been doing it since about, 2013 2014 somewhere around there there's a really 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 old folder on Flickr where i used to keep all of them if you find me (laughs) tell me where i am please please tell me where i am because i get lost all the time all the time so so, So, yeah (laughs) uh, so the projects that you're doing all like like all the time since 2013 have you ever shit canned one yes I, I think I've shit can maybe three or four of them, so I'm kind of. What would cause you to, to shit can a project? Let's see. Once, uh, I think I forgot two or three times in a row, so I was just like, "Fuck it." <laughs> um, and I really, I was only posting on Flickr. I don't know if Instagram was a thing then. Nobody was following me, and I didn't feel like anybody was holding me accountable except for myself. And so, by like I said, I just said, "Fuck it." Because uh, nobody's paying attention, so nobody's going to see me fail. <laughs> um, and then one time I stopped early on. Uh, I think it was in March or April or something of a year for personal reasons. I'm not a person who can photograph through heavy feelings. So when I am consumed with heavy things, uh, it gets very difficult to continue doing something like that. Uh, so I stopped. I tried to do another one and someone had suggested doing a project called 365 Grateful, where you focus on something that you're grateful for every day. And probably after a certain amount of time, I was just like, I can't, I have run out of things to be grateful for. And that sounds really depressing. But like, for real, I, um, it sounds so contrived to be like, I'm grateful to be alive. And when you're when you're thinking something like grateful to be alive, okay, well, that's cool. What do I photograph for that feeling? Or I'm grateful for this flower over here. Or I'm grateful to see the birds in the sky. Like it just, after a while, it just sounded really dumb to me to photograph something random. Like I want it to mean something. And for whatever reason, when I do it too much like that, it just seems to water it down and it loses its meaning. Yeah. You don't want to force it. Yeah. So I think I quit that one. Uh, about a third or half of the way through the years. Baby steps. I need to take baby steps out of my comfort zone. If you push me, I will have a panic attack. No, I get it. I did landscapes this summer and I'm going through like scanning them and I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Trying to shoot something like different every day. I don't even know how (laughs) you could do it, but... Uh, Some of the pictures are just complete shit. Like, I don't know if you've gone through any of that, but there's some in there that I'm like, I am embarrassed to post this, but it's literally the only picture I took today. I think there was one I posted from uh, last Tuesday. There was a picture of an Apple, like a, a MacBook charger thing. And I'm like, I cannot believe that this is all I have. This this was the only thing I took a photograph of. <sighs> I'm not this person. <laughs> Please don't judge me based on this photo. But but you still want to do the projects, though. 
Yeah, I do still want to, I don't want to, so last year there were so many times that I did fail and I posted black squares and I'm like, I don't want to post any black squares. It's so sad to see a black square because to me that just means you suck and you're terrible. Uh, see, to me that means you just, you're just you just owning it. Yeah. Well, they're placeholders, so I don't lose count because I will. <laughs> I will forget what day it is. <laughs> so it's just practical. But I think you look yes. like, I don't have anything. Here's a blank space. I think that, oh, I don't know. God, I, I really liked when you did that. That's honest, you know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say because I'm just going to sit here. Y'all, my therapist dropped some truth bombs on me. The last time I went in there and she was like, I think that you only focus on things that you're bad at and you should really focus on the things that you've, you've accomplished and you've done really good. And I'm just like, oh, oh my God, you're right. Uh, so yeah, I see, I want, I do want to photograph more people and that's part of why I tried to do what I, like the project I did last year. But it turns out that uh, I don't like it uh, at at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically what I tried was I'm like, I'm going to take a portrait of a different person every day. And I'm not a people person right off the bat. Like if I don't know you, I don't, I'm not going to go up to you and be like, let me take your picture. Okay. So the next question, uh, we were looking at a photo of the couple at a pride parade uh, that you took in June uh, walk us through taking the shot. Why did you stop and photograph them? And, you know, did you, do you, do you mention like, Hey, like, can I take your photograph or like, how do you, I, I don't shoot street. I don't think Eric does either. No, so no, no. please. Okay. So most of the pride parades that I have been to are just full of joyous, happy people. And most of the time uh, when they go, they expect that Photographs will be taken either of them or of whoever's marching in the parade. Just like there will be photographs. So it's almost not a surprise if anybody asks anyone else, can I take your photograph? Because everyone just expects it. Um, And so that, that really was just one of those things where I was walking by and my first thought was, Oh, that's so cute. They're probably here to, you know, support a family member of um, a kid or a sibling or or something like that. And they just looked so comfortable and so happy. And I just really loved that. And so I was like, hey, can I take your, can I take your photograph? And they're like, yeah, sure. And so the dude gave a thumbs up. So I was like, (laughs) sweet, we're good. (laughs) Do you ask uh, people for their, like, you know, do you give information out? Like if you take someone's picture? There's another, there's a couple of photographs I took at the, it wasn't the Dallas Pride Parade, but there was a Pride kind of themed thing happening. And I took a few portraits there and we exchanged information. I just haven't posted any of those yet, but I did, I was able to get their handles um, because they, they were like, we want to see the photographs. Tell us where we can find it. And I'm like, here, okay, cool, yeah. Uh, changing gears a little bit, sort of, uh, you use a lot of different uh, types of experimental and, and weird film. Yeah. Um, what what draws you to shoot the weird stuff? And then how do you pick like what to shoot, where, and, and when? I always look for things that read magical to me somehow. Um, and weird experimental films just kind of aid in that, I guess. So 
the purple or the Lomo turquoise or Anne Holland introduced me to my new favorite, the, I think it's the double film jelly, uh, which is all rainbowy and so pretty. Um, <laughs> like anything that makes the normal seem more magical or otherworldly, I'm all about it. On my way to uh, someplace in Washington, and I can't remember where it is now. Why can't I remember where it is? Um, but it was full of trees and water, and somebody was taking a kayak out onto this body of water, and the turquoise film just made it look tasty. I, like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I wanted to say dreamy, yeah. but turquoise film is not dreamy. It's, it's, it's tasty. I, I think I've heavily promoted red scale before because I love it when the world looks like it's on fire almost. <laughs> I really like that bright orange glow. I'm super drawn to that. It's so, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. You even got me to shoot red scale. Also, if you over, like you can make your own red scale and if you overexpose it a, a bit, it doesn't, it's not red or orange. It's this kind of weird, slightly muted, cool. I want to say Purpley or bluey tone. Yeah, yeah, I shot one roll. I did at the hot dogger last year, and I got, I did some overexposure just to see, you know, what happened. And yeah, I got some like crazy results because some were just like crazy bright orange and red, and then overexposure, it was like almost like this like weird like bluish um, green. I don't know. It was so strange. It's it can it can go very um, muted mm. when you do that. And I like, I'm not, I'm, eh, it's okay. But then, I mean, that just makes it not quite as special to me <laughs> um, unless it, it's kind of weird. So like, sometimes I think that I use super special film to overcompensate for the fact that some things that I take photographs of aren't magical. And so the combination of the two makes it look magical. So when the magic isn't working, it's just a plain photograph. And I'm just like, well, is this special? I don't know if this is special. I mean, so if you set it on fire, then it's special. Then it's special. <laughs> then it's like glowing. And I'm like, look at this cool orange thing. <laughs> don't pay attention to the bad photograph. Just look at the cool orange thing. And the last question is the same question that we're asking listeners uh, for next week's answering machine. What is your favorite emulsion? But more importantly, like what made you fall in love with it? This sounds like that question where people are like, if you could only shoot like one film, uh, one that. type of film, no. but it, but no, but it is because you're asking me to pick one. No, and no, I just it, explained earlier in the thing that I'm like, I get bored and I like feel like I have a short attention span, so like I can't just pick one because like, okay, so I what do you, then what I have to forego or forsake all the other ones, and it's just hard. It's so hard to pick one. <laughs> so what, the 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 last emotion that you fell in love with. The last one that I think I got really excited to use was because I saw what someone else had done with it. And I'm like, oh, I want that magic. What was that? That was the, that was a uh, jelly, the double film jelly. Okay. And what, what did you see in their photos that you really liked? And so this is uh, Anne Holland, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Follows oh, Anne no. Holland. We, yeah, definitely follow Anne Holland. She is a great right. follow. She, I don't know how she, how she came about that film, but she had taken a roll of it to, uh, it looked like a beachy or pier area. It was this really hazy, cotton candy kind of look. And it just, I'm like, this is... This is what I want to dream about. So I want to make that. I, I want to create 
or not create, but like take photographs of things I want to dream about, like that kind of stuff. So I, I ordered some myself. So that's, I guess that's the latest one. Yes, we'll go with that. Perfect. Yay! So there's a photograph on my feed of, uh, I have no freaking clue what this flower is, but there's a flower sitting on a windowsill and it looks like it's just completely bloomed, like quite possibly might die the next day. It's bloomed that much, but but there's a whole bunch of different colors coming in and out of that frame. And I just really, it looks almost psychedelic. (laughs) It's really, really pretty. Um, unless there's something way cool about you, which sometimes there was like, there was one dude that looked like Freddie Mercury. And I'm just like, I don't know if this is on purpose, but you look like Freddie Mercury. May I please take your picture? I have a portrait project that I've been supposedly working on for two years and I've taken like four pictures. (laughs) I like how you're like, supposedly, that's what I tell people. I I tell myself, I'm like, I, I gotta do it eventually. I just have to like get myself to, um, you know, get to different places and ask, you know, it's, it's surfers. So I have to, Oh, that's really cool. I have to go up and, you know, introduce myself and try not to be super weird. You know, it's, it's it's hard. It's hard to like, kind of like get out of your comfort zone and be like, Hey, like I'm doing this project. I would like to take your picture without like sounding like a robot. Oh. Oh, All right, Eric. (laughs) I think this is the end. Please have me back. I hope I didn't scare anybody. I promise not to guzzle as much, but I can't promise I won't guzzle any coffee beforehand. (laughs) I definitely will forego a cinnamon roll because that was a bad idea. We do thank you for coming on in a very caffeinated state. Oh, yay. And injecting a lot of electric Uh, energy. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yes, thanks. It was great. Um, Anytime. All right. We will talk to you soon. Anytime I can make it awkward, let me know. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Last week on All Through a Lens, we mentioned that Colorama photographer Neil Montanus had passed away. That reminded us we had no idea what Colorama was. So, Eric? Well, Colorama was a photographic display that ran from 1950 through 1990 in New York's Grand Central Station. The photographs were these huge 60 by 18 foot backlit transparencies, like big ass slides. Throughout the run, 595 different images were used and all but one of them were shot on film and more on that a little bit. Uh, For Kodak, this was simply an advertisement. At the time of the opening, the company wanted the images to convey the message that anyone could take these pictures. They wished to show the excitement of color photography. The early decades of Colorama depicted teen parties, Christmas carolers, election day, dinner times, basketball games, family camping trips, and a slew of other middle-class activities. Most of the early photos were shot on slow ectrochrome film using an 8x20 Deerdorf view camera. In almost every image, the subjects would be posed with props in mid-dance or discussion, and they almost always had a Kodak camera in hand. Essentially, these were huge pictures of people taking pictures. And while women were depicted holding cameras, men were shown doing so twice as often. Meanwhile, the first black people weren't featured in a Colorama display until 1969, nearly 20 years after it opened. 
Colorama advertised the America that lived in the minds of the greatest generation. It's the same America that the boomers now believe actually existed. It wasn't reality so much as it was a Norman Rockwell augmentation of reality. In fact, Norman Rockwell art directed at least one of the displays and clearly influenced many others. The photographers were usually Kodak staff photographers, not just Neil Montanus, but Herb Archer, Hank Mayer, Bob Phillips, Peter Gales, and even Ansel Adams threw his hat in the ring. One woman, Phoebe Dunn, received an assistant credit next to Lee Howick. She was more widely known as a children's author, but also shot for her local paper. Through the 70s and 80s, Kodak expanded their subject matter to include news and contemporary subjects, such as the State of the Union Address, Live Aid, and Knott's Berry Farm. There were foreign destinations and even some celebrity sightings. Kodak's Colorama held the record for the world's largest photograph all through its run into 1990, the same year the company introduced photo CDs. There are a few books on the displays. One is called Colorama and was published by the Aperture Foundation. It's got essays by Alison Nordstrom and Peggy Rolfe. Another is also called Colorama. It was released last year by the George Eastman Museum. It's quite a bit larger and seems to contain all of the images. While most of Coloramas were captured on film, the photo that wasn't clearly stands out. This was Earthrise from the Moon, taken in 1966 by the NASA Lunar Orbiter 1 satellite. This transmitted photo was reshot about two years later by astronaut William Anders aboard Apollo 8 using a Hasselblad 500EL. Oh my god, look at that picture over there. There's the earth coming up. Wow, that's pretty. Hey, don't take that off schedule. <laughs> Which we're listening to are astronauts Bill Anders and Jim Lovell seeing the Earth rising over the moon in 1968. Wanting to capture it, Anders asks Lovell for a roll of color film to shoot it in the mission's Hasselblad. Down here, just grab me a color. A color exterior. This conversation would ultimately produce one of the most famous photos taken during the Apollo missions, Earthrise. That one? Yeah, I'm looking for one. C-368. Anything, quick. Victor Hasselblad, Swedish inventor and photographer, hoped to make a camera for bird photography. While Victor introduced his first camera in 1940, he didn't really come into his own until he released the legendary Hasselblad 500C in 1957. Building upon that model, he produced the 500EL in 1965. Unlike earlier Hasselblads, the EL had a permanently attached motor drive that would automatically advance the film. The 500EL was used aboard Apollo 10 and 11. In fact, this year is the 50th anniversary of the first time we left a Hasselblad on the moon. In all, we've left a dozen there. And in 2019, it landed on your lap. So Eric, what did you think of it? Well, I'm not a big gear talker. <laughs> uh, but, but when I talk about gear, it's in relation to how I shoot. Uh, the, the film camera I use depends a lot on how I feel about a scene, how I want it to look. So like if, I'm, if I see a certain kind of scene, I will grab a certain kind of camera loaded with a certain kind of film. And so a lot of times I'm used to the cameras that I'm grabbing. And this is also why I often, almost always, always, I always carry more than a few cameras with me when I travel. So because the Hasselblad 500EL was new to me, I, I didn't really know how to fit it into my trip. So for like the whole day, that I was using this, I was kind of forcing myself to shoot it. Uh, the thing is unwieldy, it's bulky, it's heavy, and 
it honestly is generally fucking unpleasant to use. <laughs> Everything about it is the same thing I experienced when I first started shooting with the Mamiya RB67, which is a huge camera. The Hasselblad is not as big as that, but it feels harder to hold it than that. It is. I mean, it is a little bulky for sure, but it's not as heavy as the RB, I don't think. No, it's not as heavy as the RB. Uh, but I, I, I definitely enjoyed it less than the least amount that I've enjoyed the RB. <laughs> I hated it more. And I realize it's sacrilege to say that I hated a Hasselblad. But I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it so much because I know the images that it can reduce. It's a fucking iconic camera. This one, as we discussed last week, has been to the moon. It's a historic piece of equipment. I wanted to love it. I could not get my hands to really work with it. Maybe I just have tiny little hands. But... <laughs> well, you have developed some photos from your trip. What did you think of, you know, what came out, basically? When I first started using the Mamiya RB, I hated it. I hated it so much. So my thought was, well, okay, I will see what the photos look like. And if the photos are good, I can deal with the camera being kind of hard to use. So I was worried that the Hasselblad would be like that, would be a shitty camera to use. And I wasn't worried about producing shitty pictures, but I was worried about user error, like my own, you know, I, maybe I'm not good enough of a photographer to use a Hasselblad. I and I, I wasn't sure I was a good enough photographer to make the Mamiya work. And, and, I, and I somehow did that. The Mamiya works really well for me. And now I love it. So I developed the photos. What did you shoot with it? It was not HP5. I realized that <laughs> by law, I'm required to shoot HP5 in a Hasselblad. <laughs> and I don't think it was. I think it was. No, no, it was Pan F. Because it I was, was, I, was <laughs> I was kind of being a dick. Uh, because I know that Hasselblad pictures are supposed to be super sharp. And I was like, yeah, well, how about, how about grain? How about some grain then? So I loaded up the PanF with the thought of um, it'll at least be grainy, mm -hmm. if not good. And it turned out it was both good and grainy, like really sharp, beautiful photos, uh, hindered only by my own ineptness and inexperience. So while I, I strongly dislike shooting the 500EL, I really, really appreciate what it produces. So I think... The 500EL isn't for me, especially with the weird-ass battery pack on the bottom. Mm -hmm. But I think the 500C uh, would be a, a better fit. Yeah. I mean, the batteries you know? are kind of a pain in the ass. But I think that's why I was able to get that camera, because it is kind of a pain to have the battery pack on there. It's a little harder to use. It's not as you know, easy to hold in your hands. Um, I did end up piecing together a 500C that I have and um, I carry that a lot. I like it a lot. It's so much lighter. It's lighter than the RB as well. So it's just yeah, it's, a little it's easier. It's nice you sent me the, the difficult one. Yeah, of course. I as, mean- As a first experience. <laughs> yes. Would you be interested in trading the EL for the 500C and shoot it yes. in the summer maybe? Oh, maybe. Maybe I could shoot in the summer. Yeah, that might be yeah. fun. Another thing I did on this trip was I shot companion photos. Uh, one shot with a 500EL, the Hasselblad, and another shot the same exact, you know, in the same exact position with a cheap plastic 620 camera. Uh, in this case, it was the Imperial Savoy. 
an adorable little thing. Mm -hmm. So I took both of them together. They're also that one's also a six by six, right? Square format. They're, yeah, they're both six by six. And so I took uh, one picture. I'm thinking of in particular is of the the jingoistic barn mm -hmm. with the car inside of it. And so I took both pictures and. When I see barns like this, I I personally have a reaction to that. So the photo that I took with the Hasselblad gave me a very pleasant, crisp photo, which gives a certain mood that I wasn't going for. Mm -hmm. The photo that I took with the cheap, and I think it was free, Imperial Savoy, the plastic one, uh, is darker, moody. It's got some dark corners, and it does portray the mood that I was going for shooting that barn. Yeah. While the Hasselblad is obviously a better camera, <laughs> with a definitely more versatile camera, since it has more than one shutter speed and more than one aperture, it is not always the tool that I need. Mm -hmm. And of course, no camera is the tool that you need. There is no the camera for me. No, me either, definitely. No. And I, I understand, I've seen both of the photos, and you should definitely post it on the Instagram so everybody else can see it. And yeah, you can see like how... The Hasselblad shot's like bright and crisp. And then your, uh, was it the Savoy? The Savoy. Yeah, that one is definitely darker and moody. And I could see you liking that one probably more. <laughs> the Savoy produced a dark and sinister looking photo <laughs> as dark and sinister as nationalism itself. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Eric. <laughs> So yes, I will have both of those photos on our Instagram feed so you can compare. And yeah, the Hasselblad took the better photo. Uh, it's more in focus. It's uh, probably uh, probably a better exposure. I think there's, I think honestly, since it was shot from the hip, uh, it's even uh, a better composition. I do like the waist level yes. so much better. Yes, it was definitely because of that. Uh, and also it's harder to center. You know, this is a, the Hasselblad is an SLR. And so it's easier to, to frame up your shot. And the Imperial Savoy is, is not an SLR. It's, it barely has a <laughs> viewfinder. So it's hard to frame up your shot with that. Are you shooting your RV waist level mostly, or do you have it on the tripod? I always shoot at waist level because I'm short. <laughs> I can't shoot it on the tripod and see anything. So while I appreciate the 500EL for what it is, it's just probably not the camera for me. Uh, but in doing the research for it, we came across a transcript from the astronauts in Apollo 11. But an hour and 20 minutes into their flight, they look out of the window and see a beautiful horizon, probably the first time they've seen this. And their first instinct was to grab the Hasselblad. The only problem was they had lost the Hasselblad. It just wasn't there. And so we thought we would play you out a little bit of that recording hopefully cleaned up so you could hear it, of them losing the Hasselblad. Okay, I seem to be prone to this. 
I've looked everywhere over here for that acid right now. Since we were kids, Vanya and I have both had a fascination with zines. Back in the day, it was zines about punk rock and greyhound buses, but now it's about photography. Each episode will pick out a couple of zines that have crossed our desk over the past couple of weeks. So if you do a zine and you'd like us to review it, get in contact with us. We, we both do zines and we'd both love to trade you. Yours for ours. I have Kiki's zine in front of me, Eric. Yes. Uh, Views from Tucson, mm-hmm. issue two. Uh, it's 44 pages, six by six. All the pictures inside are with his Kodak Brownie Hawkeye. Yes. One thing I have to point out right away, he has an index. He has the page number with the title of the image, also what film he used, and I fucking love that. I love it when people add that to their zines. Yeah, I think that's almost essential. Yes. I want to know. Yeah, and he's using a lot of Portra, a lot of Ektar. Yes. Some the the uh, Japan Camera Hunter Street Pan. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of why I like this one so much that I think I could see like the ectars and the the super poppy colors. The reds show up like really amazing. I mean, this is Tucson, so it's desert. So the surroundings are pretty warm tones, but then there's just like, boom, pop of red or like a really cool red truck or something. It's it's so fun and also impressive for this little camera. Have you shot with a Hawkeye before? I have, and they did not come out like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they can be moody little bitches. They, yeah. I mean, I remember trying to be like, okay, I'm going to stay really still or like set it somewhere. Um, no, did not get this quality. I really like the pairing of the photos. It's really interesting. You should check it out. He has them for sale. They're $10. And you can get them on his website, kikiwilkins.com. Yeah. Um, the zine I'm covering is All of a Sudden I Miss Everyone by Carl Bailey. This is a UK publication. It's a A5 size, whatever size that is. Uh, it's a perfect bound, which is kind of cool. There's 80 silky full-color pages. Uh, each of the photos were taken of places where Carl grew up in England uh, before moving to China, I believe. Uh, they draw upon both his nostalgia and his memory of the locations. Something here that really hooks you and it kind of draws you in. As an American, I've got zero connection to the specific arcade or the amusement park and the street scenes that are in his zine. Yet Carl's love for these places, it really comes through in his photography. He put some love in those photos. I, you did send me a couple pictures. I did, yeah. It was uh, We shared over... Uh, I showed a few, more than a few snaps of them. I'm not sure, what, not sure what film he was using, but the colors are really wonderful. The feel of the paper is great, which is kind of important for zines, I, I think. It's just good photography. Mm-hmm. It's good all around. It is well worth picking up. And you can do it for £10 on carlbailey.co.uk. And that about does it for this episode of All Through a Lens. So, Eric, yes. what are you up to for the next couple of weeks? Oh, uh, the next couple of weeks? I, I hope to head out to eastern Washington again. I probably won't be camping, but maybe some day trips. I'll be taking the ultra-fucking-fine Extreme 120 Ooh. that you sent me. I'm going to hopefully shoot a bunch of stuff with that, maybe with the Hazelblood. Maybe I'll re-roll it and shoot it on the Savoy. Who the <laughs> fuck knows? How about you? What are you planning on doing? I would actually really like to focus on my portraits project. There's a surf competition down in Hermosa Beach. Mm-hmm. It's the hot dogger. Yeah. Um, that I mentioned. You, in last you are a hot dogger. 
I am actually. Yeah. I I definitely want to bring my camera down there Absolutely. and shoot. Um, and then also I'm bringing some eight millimeter film, and I'm going to try my hand at some eight millimeter video. We'll see how it goes. Sounds great. And uh, one one more thing. One more thing. Uh, the answering machine. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a message on the answering machine, uh, we got a new question coming up for the for the next episode. It's the last question that we asked Brandy, so you you should already know it. But it's uh. What is it about your favorite emulsion that made you fall in love with it? And if you can't pick a favorite, like Brandy couldn't pick a favorite, just pick a, pick an emulsion. It doesn't matter. Just emulsion that you've recently fallen in love with or you like. And just tell us why you like it. We don't really care so much about what the emulsion is, but just why you like this emulsion. What, 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 what does it do for you? You can leave us an answering machine message by sending us a voice message on Instagram DM. Just click the little microphone there and, and talk for a minute. Leave us your name and your Instagram handle. You, you know the drill. You can contact us. I'm Vanya at Surf Martian. And I'm Eric at Conspiracy of Cartographers. And we are all through a lens.podcast on IG. Should we be on Twitter? Who the hell knows? Yeah, I don't know. But we are, we don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But we are on Spotify obviously listen to us on spotify but you can also check out our spotify playlist we do one for each episode the music that you're hearing right now is from last regiment of syncopated drummers and you can find them at lastregiment.com so see you in a couple of weeks hey vanya yes you want to go out and shoot fuck yeah i do all right let's go it's gonna be a a lot of groovy people there that's for sure (laughs) 